Our first sacred text this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid.
wish you guys could just keep singing. That is so beautiful. The second sacred text is, from the, is the continuation of the same chapter, Mark 16, starting at verse 9. Now after he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went out and told those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After this, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Later, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were sitting at the table, and he upbraided them for their lack of faith and stubbornness, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. By using my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes in their hands, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and proclaimed the good news everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that accompanied it. And, by the way, there also is a shorter ending of this reading that I will share with you. It says, And all that had been commanded them, they told briefly to those around Peter. And afterward, Jesus himself sent out through them, from east to west, the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. I love to tell the story. We heard that a few minutes ago, right? I love to tell the story. This is the Easter story we tell today. What is that Easter story? I love to tell the story. But what is it? What is your Easter story? So it's interesting because in the lectionary laid out for today, they give you two choices for the Gospel. You can either go with John or with Mark, because this is our lectionary cycle year where we follow Mark's gospel. But you always have to give a little extra choice with Mark because he tells such short stories. He seems to, for those of us who think we know more, he seems to leave some details out. He doesn't quite fill in the story. It is the shortest gospel, for sure. And it is also the first one written. John is the last one written 40-some years after. With Matthew and Luke kind of split in the middle in between. And so, yes, I think the frustration with how short Mark is, 
is not only something that we experience today, so we want more. John always gives us more. He fills in way beyond the details with all kinds of symbols and explanations and understandings and embellishments and all of that. So John, John would be a great movie maker today. You know how you read that really good book and then you go see the movie? You say, well, I guess it kind of followed the book, but they added this and they added that and they left this part out, but then they added this and this and this. That's John. Now, if Mark had been a movie maker, he would have just said, oh no, there's way too much in there. Let's just get down to the bare minimum of what we need. So we love to tell the story, but we all are different kinds of storytellers, aren't we? Right? We all tell it in a little different ways, and some with a little more flair, some a little more dryly. And even within Mark, what we find out, as Lisa kind of mentioned for us, is that... Um, the truth is we're pretty sure from studying the, all the different manuscripts, remember everything was hand done? When we go back to the earliest, earliest manuscripts, we don't find anything after verse 8 in the 16th chapter of Mark. That was the first reading that Lisa read today. And it doesn't have that many details in it for us. And it leaves us hanging. What we basically know is that um, when they looked up, they saw that the stone was very large and had already been rolled back. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He's been raised. He's not here. Facts. He's raised. He's not here. Look, there's the place they laid him. But go and tell the disciples of Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. So, what we find out is, he's not there, he's raised, and he's headed to Galilee. Somehow. How somebody is raised heads to Galilee, we're not really sure, but we, we kind of hear that. And so, they went out and they fled the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And this is the part that threw later readers of it off. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Well, what would happen to Christianity if they said nothing to anyone? Where would you be today? You would have slept in a lot longer, right? So I love to tell the story, but, but a lot of people read this and said, I don't love to tell the story this way. Something's missing. And so... One of the things that was added was that very short verse that was read at the end that is, is in many of our Bibles now just put in brackets. It's not even given a verse number. And it says, I'll read it again, Lisa read it, great. And all that had been commanded them, they told briefly to those around Peter. Okay, so they didn't keep it quiet. Whew, we have to get that in there. This is at least short, trying to keep it the way Mark would keep it. And afterward, Jesus himself sent, um, sent out through them from east to west the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. So now, in the shortest words possible, the two things that are missing in Mark, if they stay silent when they leave that tomb, is that, um, that they went and told Peter, which means that everybody else is going to know. If you know Peter, he's not going to keep it quiet. Um, and, uh, and also that... Uh, 
that he sent him, Jesus sent himself out through them from east to west. So it's going to spread. Oh, good. We have Christianity returned again. All right? So, but people really, hardly anybody puts that officially in the Bible because it is uh, really not actually written in a way, other than being short, that seemed like it possibly could have come from Mark. So it was added later, maybe by a scribe or something like that, who knows um, how it was possibly added. So then there's the longer version, the second reading that Lisa read, where we are given so much more and we feel so much better. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Jesus appears to two disciples. In fact, it's on a country road. And later on, you'll remember, Luke will turn that into a whole story, the road to Emmaus. Right? Um, Because Mark clearly didn't say enough about it. He just said, on a country road, (laughs) Jesus appeared. Um, Jesus commissions the disciples, so he gives them basically their their charge and their game plan so things can spread, you know. Um, and then we even hear about the ascension of Jesus uh, into heaven. All of this is added later. But the truth is the vast majority of scripture scholars don't believe that even these verses, 9 through 20, were in the original story. Okay? Isn't this starting to sound like real life? Um, I love to tell the story. Oh yeah, go ahead, you tell that story. Oh, no, you didn't quite tell it right. Let me tell it to everybody. <laughs> you ever been in a conversation like that before? Yeah. Who's right? Sometimes everybody's right. Right? And if we were to take the time and look at Matthew and Luke and John in great detail, we would see all kinds of embellishment. Things like, to explain the empty tomb, Matthew has there being a plot to steal the body that the, that the Jewish leaders think must have happened. Nobody else has that, but he has that in loving to tell the story. Luke has Peter running to the tomb when he hears that it's empty. He's got to see for himself. He's so maybe worried or excited or who knows, but he has to run to the tomb. And by the time we get to John, we have things like um, appearances to the disciples in the upper room when they're locked. And then Thomas isn't sure he believes it, so he comes back a week later. You have all these embellishments that happen to the story over the years. Why? Have you ever been in a conversation of what is this resurrection of Jesus really about? Okay, now maybe, maybe you kind of always grew up in the church. And you always enjoyed Easter. And you always celebrated it. So you didn't really necessarily dig into great detail about it. You just knew it was good. With all the problems in the world, it's good. It's life-giving. It's joyful. It's a whole bunch of things. It gives us hope when so much around us doesn't give us hope. And then somebody sits with you and says, "Um, So why did that happen? And what really happened? Oh, did that really happen, or is that just a good story like they do in the movies? You know? You ever been part of those conversations? It can be from kids. Uh, It can just be uh, people, friends gathered around a table who happen to get into the conversation. It can be an extended family conversation where 
you know how those Easter dinners are. They're, they're almost as fun as Thanksgiving dinners where, you know, some people don't even believe in Easter, but the food's good, so they come, right? So they're there for it. Um, but the conversations might come up. So I love to tell the story. But what is the story that you tell? And one of the other things that often stops a lot of church people is this part that says, well, I'm supposed to believe this if I'm a Christian. Well, in some ways, even if you're supposed to believe something, it really doesn't help because it stops us thinking through the story. It stops us asking questions of the story. It stops us going deeper into a deeper understanding of what it's all about. Now, for me, those of you who know me for a few years know that the entire Holy Week experience is really important to me. So when I love to tell the story, in the way that I would write the story, I can't just start on Easter. It's a whole story about life and death. Or death and life, whichever direction you want to take it. it it's, it's a whole story about creation. And as we now, these days, study the stars and the planets and the black holes and the dark energy and all of that sort of thing, as we try to figure all that out, does that not explode our mind? And what is all this is about? What did it come from? I used to think I was part of one world, and I found out I was part of a universe. Now I find out that there's many, many, many universes. And then someone even told me that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for some exploding stars that created the kind of possibility for life like ours to, to come about. So in the big questions of things, this Easter story brings us back to all the big questions about who we are, why we're here, how we got here, what we're supposed to be doing, where we're going. When does it end? Or does it ever end? Now, I'm not going to stand here and give you doctrinal answers. What I want to do today is encourage you to continue to live through the life and death stories. To continue to come back to the stories of being a follower of Jesus to help you understand what this journey is about. Because I believe over time, if you open yourself up beyond the shoulds to the maybes, that you're going to grow uh, in different elements of the story. They're going to become part of you. All of a sudden you're going to go through experiences in your own life and you're going to say, ah, Aha, I understand Holy Week now. I understand Easter now. I understand that in all of everything in creation, we constantly are learning about the cycle of how, how life emerges through death. And if the process of the death is stopped, the new life that we couldn't have even imagined beyond it cannot happen. So this week, in the Holy Week things we did, we did something, Pastor Patty and I did something that I'd never really fully done before. For those who gathered with me about right here at a table last year for Monday, Thursday, we kind of began the process of this. But we tried to put ourselves inside the story a little bit more. Because it doesn't just start on Monday, Thursday, when Jesus sits at this table with his disciples at the Last Supper and continue through to Easter. 
It didn't begin there. It, of course, begins with his whole birth and life and ministry. But even in that week, it begins with all sorts of experiences that Jesus was having. And all sorts of experiences that are very much like what we have that cause us to wonder whether we should continue. Because we're going to meet conflict, we're going to meet betrayal, we're going to meet people with power trying to tell us we can't do this because we might take their power away. All these human things that are in part of our lives all of the time. If I say such and such to so and such and such, it's not worth saying because the price I'm going to have to pay and what I get back is way too much. We go through all of these experiences that I call kind of many challenges for many dying experiences that lead us to the big question of everything about what our life is about, what our dying is about, and what's beyond that. I encourage you today, whether it's with Mark, with Matthew, with Luke, with John, with melding them all together if you would like, I invite you to write your own story. Don't just love to tell some story you were told to tell about Jesus and about his dying and his rising. But learn to love to tell your story. Your story of birth. Your story of the ups and the downs of life. Your story of lost hope and hope restored. Your story in seeing the big story and connecting your story to the big story. Connecting your story to this God who loves you so deeply, unconditionally, completely, embraces you and does not judge you. Connect your story to the big story. And connect your story as a follower of Jesus to how Jesus walked faithfully into and through lots of tough stuff, including death, to show us what real life is about, what everything possible is about, that's something we can't even imagine. And the fact is, if we sat here and wrote another gospel story, we'd have to do a, a little embellishing ourselves to tell it our way from our life experience, from what we imagine must have happened. And in the end of the day, in a world where I hear people walking all around now, wondering, even in an economy that's getting better, but still wondering, is it all exploding? It's like there's little bombs going off everywhere. And we just wonder. We just wonder, is there any hope? We wonder if there's a way out. We wonder if those in power will ever be about serving everybody instead of themselves. We wonder all of these things. But in the big story, the story that is not just the history of all of time, but a history beyond time, not just a history in the space that we know, but a history in space that we don't even know yet. When we understand the big story, when we begin to glimpse the big story, we begin to see life through a place where we only saw death before. You begin to see hope 
rising out of the ashes of a hopeless situation. That's what the Easter story is about. And I invite you to jump in joy and celebrate it. I invite you to, to write your own story. And I invite you to ask questions and have conversation, whether it's me or with others, about what does this resurrection mean? What is this Jesus all about who dies on a cross and rises from the dead? But not, don't ask the questions looking for whether you have found the right answers or can get the right answer to write in on a test somewhere. But ask the questions so that you can engage with the big story and live more deeply in to what this whole love creation is all about. That's what the Easter story is about. It's an invitation filled with color, filled with sound, filled with joy, filled with possibility, filled with things beyond our imaginings. So stretch yourself today and write your story of resurrection, of Easter, of life, and of hope. One more thing. Because I think it has an, it's an interesting little insight. There's a little car commercial on right now. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I can't even remember what car it's for. But it ends by putting a little... Because it uses a little bit of the movie Wrinkle in Time. And so it ends with a little thing saying in theaters, Dow Wrinkle in Time. But the ad starts with, um, they say seeing is believing. Have you seen this commercial? <clears throat> but sometimes you have to believe before you can see So they say seeing is believing, but sometimes you have to believe before you can see. Because until you believe, your eyes can't imagine seeing. And I think that's very much what the Easter story is about. If you need to see in order to believe, you're going to miss so much. Believe in life. Believe in life that comes through death. Believe in the big story of this creation. Believe in the reality of a love that can conquer everything in this world. You will begin to see and write it more deeply into your story. Christ is risen indeed. Your side. Amen.